Meg. It's fine. I think everything's fine. It's just fine, okay? Shut up, Dad. Shut up, Dad. And welcome to Super Duperstitious. <laughs> the science podcast about the paranormal. Ooh, Ooh I changed it. changed it. You're I naughty. changed the entire show. Oh, my shit's not going to work anymore today. <laughs> I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. And welcome to another episode. Welcome back, y'all. Uh, today, actually, how do we do this? How do we do this again? I've been on vacation. <laughs> yeah, we, we took a little time off and we've forgotten everything. Um. Uh, so, yeah, it's the show where we look at different spooky, strange phenomena from the world and beyond. And trying to break it down with our science backgrounds. That's right. We both have strong science backgrounds and backgrounds in friendship. <laughs> Just like the prolonged eye contact before. Yes. That. Audible uh, eye contact. Yeah. If you've been listening for a while and you like what you hear... Why not tell the entire world by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher to a lesser degree or anywhere else to an even lesser, <laughs> lesser degree. degree still, yes. But yeah, the reviews really do help with our visibility and rankings and stuff in the old podcast Please give world us that boost. and it would help more people find us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just leave a few nice words or if you just want to rate it and not say anything, you can click just some stars on there and that's uh, pretty cool. It's pretty cool. If we- you like us even more... Patreon is a thing. Mm-hmm. It turns out, yes, Patreon, we have many sweet perks for y'all. Thank you very much to those of you who have jumped onto the old Patreon. We dearly, sincerely appreciate it. Yeah, and um, to kind of try you. and incentivize you to to jump on board here, we uh, one of our tiers, the $10 level or higher, you'll get a series of different rewards, including being part of our sticker club, where every quarter, basically it's a quarterly thing, mm-hmm. every three months, you get a brand new sticker design in the mail, and it'll never be released again after that three-month period is up. We still have three stickers left from the previous quarter. It is now a new quarter. All of you who are already at that level will be getting the new stickers this month. New stickers? And, Clear uh, a place on your water bottle or yep. your car. <laughs> And the first three people to sign up at the $10 level or higher will get the previous sticker um, in addition Soon to the new to sticker. out of print. Forever, probably. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, may that be a, a kind of a, a carrot to dangle in front of you. You get mm-hmm. a sticker, you get some outtakes, you get... A very flat, some... sticky carrot. <laughs> get, yes, I get it now. Um... Yeah, stickers, outtakes, minisodes, good times. Please do do that. Did you want to look at anything else on there while we're here? I was going to thank our most recent reviewers, Pepper Ashley, who reviewed us on the 17th of June, saying she's not superstitious, but she is a little stitious, and that we make a great podcast. Aww. And Epitaph Podcasts, who reviewed us on the 24th, saying that we do a great job of presenting paranormal topics from ghosts to cryptozoology to ancient aliens, in quotes, which is very appropriate, and then apply science to get to the truth, sometimes even with the surprising result of plausibility. Definitely worth a listen. Thank you, Epitaph Epitaph Records, which is now a podcast company. <laughs> yep. Epitaph Podcasts Thank is you very their much. actual See, name. Thank you. Yeah, you heard it from another podcast, guys. It must be true. Exactly. I think that's, uh, that's pretty good. Cool. Why did you have a, an update? <laughs> so before we get into it today, I have a bit of a super-duper-stitious PSA. Ooh. 
Was that meant to rhyme even? A little bit. Okay. But I just made it up now. So for what it's worth, if you're in the state of Virginia in the United States, please do your best to resist the urge to dye your hair, strip naked, break into a house, and begin attacking the occupants while repeatedly declaring that you are the devil. Sounds like a good uh, piece of advice. Chesterfield County, Virginia. A Chesterfield family spoke with 8 News on Friday after fending off a naked intruder who broke into their home on South Twilight Lane the night before. The intruder claimed to be the devil and attacked the family, prompting the homeowner to fire 39 rounds at them. Oh my god. Quote, I said, who are you? Lewis's husband, who did not wish to go on camera, explained. She said, I need your help. Please help me. I said, get out of my house. (laughs) And she goes, I'm the devil. (laughs) I hope she explained it very casually. Well, I'm the the devil. I'm I'm the devil, you see. The homeowner says... 39 rounds? Mm-hmm. The woman, America. I tell you, the homeowner says the woman who had a blue ponytail broke into the basement around 10.30 p.m. on July 4th. The family said she was laughing menacingly and refused to leave. Fearing for his life, the father of three grabbed his pistol and gave a verbal warning. With his family sleeping upstairs, he opened fire on the intruder. What's his verbal warning? I'm about to shoot at you 39 times. Yes, I do believe so. Lewis said the woman aggressively charged at him with superhuman strength. Quote, she was not stopping, he said. She had the strength of four grown men. Wow. Which he must have experienced in the past. (laughs) Four grown men charging at him. Charging at him and not stopping. When he ran out of bullets, Lewis began throwing furniture at her. His wife and children eventually jumped in and (laughs) attempted to stop the woman. Sorry, when he started, he began throwing furniture at her comma, his wife and children, Her. and then we ran out of that to throw through other things, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. If only. Uh, yes, but his wife and children piled in. Police arrested the intruder, and she is being treated and evaluated at the hospital. The Lewis family left with bruises and bite marks. Quote, I'm scared to go in there, the room in which she broke into. I won't even go into any room by myself. I'm terrified, Mrs. Lewis said. Detectives told the family that the suspect lives nearby and will eventually be charged with robbery, breaking and entering, and attempted murder. As of the article, she was, perhaps miraculously, in the ICU with just head trauma. He must have just been windmilling his arm. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he's just like an Imperial Stormtrooper in training. I believe that's firing true. continuously and never hitting his target. I'm happy for her, though. I Yeah, I mean, clearly it had to have been some kind of... I'm uh, on her side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're... We here at Super Depositions are on the side of anyone who believes they are the devil. Yeah. And, uh, but no, it, it seems like it was probably some kind of either drug-induced uh, hallucinatory Frenzy. thing yeah. or perhaps just a mental health thing. Either way, you don't need to shoot the person. And she didn't you sound really like she don't. was not armed and was naked. So, like, as vulnerable as a human body can get. Exactly. And asking for help. Also true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she came in. If she was menacingly laugh- laughing menacingly, I don't know what to say. If she was laughing menacingly, not a reason to shoot someone. No, there aren't a lot of reasons to shoot someone unless they are about to shoot you, I guess would be the other possible yeah, I could imagine that would make sense. All these things, and she was going to kill him. <laughs> okay, maybe, but still. Yes, yeah, so, FYI, don't do well, what she did. Or what he did, really. Or what he did for that Just don't be the people in this story, exactly. Virginia and everyone else. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, that seems very useful to us and to our listeners. Uh, This week's (laughs) Mm -hmm. episode, we're going to be talking once again about... uh, Ghostly stuff. Yeah, I was going to say supernatural stuff. But I'm glad that you said that because I was kind of halting on the S, realizing I was going to say super (laughs) superstitious. 
Super duper superstitious stuff. Haunted uh, by our own show. Supernatural things. Ghostly, mm-hmm. ghostly, creepy, spooky things. So you want to go ahead and do I go first? Into, I think. Yeah. Last time we did spooky places. I did uh, the well to hell. Oh, yes. And you did that. Then um, allow me to begin. Having just been on such a lovely vacation, I got to thinking about staying away from home. Specifically, I got to thinking about staying in hotels. (laughs) Which you did not do the whole time you were gone, as I recall. Regardless, more specifically still, <laughs> I got to thinking about staying in the historic Hotel Monte Vista, ah. located in Flagstaff, Arizona, a.k.a. Hotel of, like, 11 Ghosts. <laughs> Which I see is the title of your segment. It may or may not be. <laughs> uh, it may be the most hauntedest place I have ever stumbled upon. <laughs> Almost drowned in this beer. The Monte Vista was built in 1927 and is a centerpiece of the historic downtown district, containing 73 rooms and suites on three floors. It also happens to contain a shitload of ghost stories. Mm. As you ever just swallow so hard? Just <laughs> so hard? When you, like, gulp and it feels like you swallowed, like, rocks? Yeah. But it's just a bubble of air, probably, mm-hmm. that is now punching its way down into your stomach. <laughs> yep. Makes you feel like you're going to die. <laughs> I think it's past now. Okay. We're good. Nice. Tell me about the many, many ghosts. You better let that upcoming burp just rip so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Many ghost stories are associated with the hotel. A total of 11. Um, <laughs> each one more. I can't think of my numbers higher than that. No, it only goes to 11, as I understand. <laughs> uh, each one is more terrifying than the last. <laughs> and all of them are scarier than whatever you're about to talk about. Great. <laughs> uh, let's just say some of these tales have even been described as rival to the infamous Dear David saga. Ooh. And yes, I did manage to face my fears and wrangle all of them here today. But why waste time not reading the Monte Vista's description of itself? <laughs> the Monte Vista has always been known for their rumors of hauntings. Perhaps you won't see the peculiar goings-ons for yourself, but it's always fun to explore. As with nearby buildings of similar age, there are spirits haunting some of, these, some of the rooms and the halls. With such a colorful history, it is no surprise some spirits stick around for an eternity. <laughs> we encourage communication with the ghosts if you are looking for an extraordinary experience. If you would like to hear about some of the phenomena, feel free to ask the employees around the building. Our wonderful housekeeping staff has some of the most intriguing tales. It sounds like kind of like the opening narration when you go into the Haunted Mansion at Disney. A little bit. The, yes. Yeah, there's, uh, there are 999 happy haunts at this place. <laughs> there's room for a thousand. Implying that as a guest you might die? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. I've never been. <laughs> it's, so the, yeah, the, the narrator guide basically implies that there's no way to escape from the place. And then says, of course, there's always my way out. And then like, all the lights go like, out and you see up like a, a noose or some bullshit overhead that he's just a skeleton hanging from a noose. Yes. It's mm, a well-made skeleton. If that thing can hang together, he's got some serious ligaments. Yeah. That cartilaginous tissue or whatever connective tissue never went away. He's a shark. <laughs> the bank robber in 1973. Basically, this is just 11 great scary stories oh boy they're very short though so don't worry 
The bank robber. In 1970, three men robbed a nearby bank. During the robbery, a bank guard shot one of the men. Despite their injured comrade, they decided to celebrate by stopping in the lounge to have a drink. <laughs> okay. The wounded man bled to death while enjoying his last drink. Since then, both patrons and staff have reported being greeted by an anonymous voice saying, Good morning. The scariest possible <laughs> phrase. There have also been reports of bar stools and drinks that seem to move on their own. Oh, wow. The woman of the night. Oh. Years ago, Flagstaff's red light district could be found just south of the railroad tracks, just two blocks from the Monte Vista. In the early 1940s, two prostitutes were brought to room 306. During their visit... They were killed and thrown from the third floor window to the cold street below. Over the years, numerous guests have reported being awakened in the middle of the night. By and sex noises. By sex noises. <laughs> and then murder noises. And unable to return to sleep due to a feeling that they are being watched. The majority of the time, our male guests report the feeling of having a hands placed over their mouths and throats. Yikes. <laughs> the Phantom Bellboy. Hotel guests have reported a knock at their door and a muffled voice announcing, <laughs> What was that? <laughs> when guests open the door, no one is present. Room service. Oh. However, some guests have seen the figure of a bellboy standing outside of the room, which is room 210. John Wayne experienced this ghost during a few of his stays. Hmm. Mr. Mister Wayne <laughs> reported, that the ghost seemed friendly and that he did not feel threatened by its presence. Our housekeepers frequently experience the antics of the bellboy. He's not at all menacing to them when, when they have that particular encounter, but if they fail to tip him, oh boy. Oh boy, you better look out. Those bags are going to be flying down the staircase in a bad <laughs> way. The one report states seeing a young male in an old-fashioned red coat with brass buttons walking up and down the halls. Mm. The little boy... <laughs> Some guests have also seen the image of a young boy wandering the halls of the hotel. Few people even say that they have had this young ghost touch their hand. Mm. His voice can sometimes be heard as if he is walking behind you. What? <laughs> guests who have seen this ghost have seen... You know the way a person's voice is when they're behind you? It's the like different right kind there. of tone of voice they mm -hmm. use when they're behind you. There's only the one. Yeah. And it's indicative of following behind. Guests who have seen this ghost have said it looks as though he may be speaking with his mother. Children have even reported seeing him, though always in a friendly manner. You know, it's the friendly way of looking. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps he is just looking for a friend to play with. No. The Meat Man. Oh. Room 220. This bizarre long-term boarder was known by his strange habit of hanging raw meat from the chandelier of his room. <laughs> In the early 1980s, the lodger was found in his room three days after his death. Not long after, a maintenance worker was working on a few repairs. When in need of a new fixture, he left the room, turned the lights off, and locked the door. Returning only a few minutes later, he found the television on at full volume. and The linens on the bed had been ripped and scattered around the room. And the meat was all cooked. <laughs> Still hanging, but fully cooked. <laughs> yes. It was so delicious... It was he died. scary. He died. <laughs> Today, it is common for the television to act on its own accord, as well as reports of cold male hands touching guests in their sleep. Huh. How could you report it if you were sleeping? 
And how did you know they're a male? Also, how does he figure into the story if he isn't the one haunting this meat man? I'm in the weeds on the meat man. In the weeds on the meat man. Could be a good title. <laughs> yeah, unclear. He hates bed sheets, loves television, and is dead. <laughs> Those are the three major criteria for a ghost. So I'm I'm sold. All right. <laughs> the rocking chair. Room three oh five. I like that they tell you which room it is so they're gonna be like, take the book room three oh five. Once featured on the television show Unsolved Mysteries, room 305 is by far the most active room in the hotel. There are numerous reports of seeing a woman in the rocking chair near the window. Guests in housekeeping have reports of seeing the chair move by itself and knocking coming from inside the closet. History tells us that years ago, history tells us, an elderly woman who was a long-term renter without a name would sit by the window for hours on end. No one knows what she was looking at or looking for. Could it be she was waiting for someone to return, even in death? Oh. The dancing couple. <gasps> on several occasions, lounge staff and patrons have witnessed a transparent couple dancing in the cocktail lounge. They are seen in formal dress, laughing and smiling, eternally dancing. Oh. Some lyrics to an 80s song right there. Yeah. The Shadowed Man. Shadowed? Mm-hmm. The huh. Shadowed Man. <laughs> an unknown resident of... Uh, uh, an unknown resident... An unknown resident of the hotel seems to be haunting the basement more recently and has been spotted standing behind several employees and delivery guys. <laughs> I feel like delivery as they write bros. these... Yeah. <laughs> it gets worse as it goes somehow. <laughs> You know, the dudes who bring shit here. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Why? I think this is all very expertly written. Mm-hmm. I invented all these stories. <laughs> no, I did. He stands over six feet tall and has a menacing, uncomfortable presence. Perhaps he has emerged from the tunnel entrance in our basement after years of searching for a way out. The tunnel entrance. What? They kind of buried the lead on that one. Yeah. I also like that they are laughing at the possibility of someone recently dying. Yeah. The elevator attendant. Many a people, many a people, many people, particularly housekeeping and front desk agents, have reported a polite attendant at assisting their ride in the elevator despite it being self-service. He can be heard requesting, which floor may I take you to? Or even a phantom hand seen closing the elevator's gate, which doesn't exist. Hmm. Keep an eye on the mirror when you exit to your floor after you've booked a room here. <laughs> you just might see him standing behind you. I'm going to skip to the best one, which is Baby in the Basement. Oh, boy. Was the baby in the basement trying to find its way out of a tunnel and only just found its way out and is now angry and menacing and wandering around? I think the shadowed man lost the baby. Okay. Which and was the grandson yeah. of the rocking chair grandma who was waiting for them to show up okay and he <laughs> was the meat man the meat man and the shadow man are one and the same okay that makes so much sense to me right now perfect the baby in the basement is trapped in its own time space continuum but it matured after becoming a ghost into the little boy who now wants friends i see Baby in the basement. The disturbing <laughs> sounds of an infant crying in the basement have been heard again and again. This is actually kind of creepy. 
Reported primarily by maintenance and laundry personnel, this is possibly the most disturbing true encounter that has been reported. Staff have found themselves running upstairs to escape the sound of the cries. I like that they find themselves running up the stairs. Wait, where am I going? What the fuck is happening? Oh, yeah, I was so scared of those noises just <laughs> seconds ago. Yeah, very spooky to think of babies crying in a basement. And very discouraging to know that everyone's reaction is not to look for a possibly lost baby but to run away oh no (laughs) a baby better get out of here nothing more dangerous in the world than a lost baby i mean obviously it's true that in all kinds of ghost stories uh the sounds of children are always super creepy oh yeah but like it's a if it's a baby responsibility (laughs) (laughs) exactly but yeah baby crying is certainly in an an incorporeal fashion is upsetting Mm-hmm. So how about some TripAdvisor reviews of this extremely haunted hotel <laughs> that is so haunted? Why wouldn't we? Texas Cheryl writes in 2011, Stayed here in mid-August 2011. What an experience. Stayed in the Gary Cooper room. Picture two middle-aged best gal pals and one ten-year-old boy fighting over who does get to be in the middle. Little <laughs> little comedy for us here. In parentheses, Of one huge bed, we elected to take the scaredy cat path and not take advantage of the sleeper sofa. On parentheses. Events included hearing footsteps coming towards us in the hallway, and no one was there. My bag got mysteriously zipped back up after I had just left it unzipped. And I saw orbs of light hover and then zoom out of one of the windows at about 3.30 in the morning. I would be interested in learning for sure which window and at what time the, quote, lady of the evening, unquote, got pushed out one of the windows long ago. I understand that this was the second most haunted room they have. Hotel (laughs) is something you can easily imagine many movie stars from, quote, back in the day stayed at. Rooms are all named after them, too. $140 for one of the most unique experiences experiences I have had in a long time. If you're adventurous, go for it. But how about some reviews without the spooks? (laughs) All right. Unisphere64 writes in 2018... Quote, tried to check into the hotel. I was told my credit card did not work. This surprised me since I owed nothing on the card. The clerk was somewhat cold and a bit belligerent. I have a second card, and it was the same deal. I gave my bank card, and that, too, did not work. The clerk was overwhelmed, it seemed, and getting more and more frustrated with me. You broke. (laughs) And I guess I could have grabbed more. I guess I could have... Not forgotten that I had not actually finished this instead of focusing on the finish sewed. No, that's perfect. And the end. <laughs> well, what I think happened there is unmistakably the fact that the card reader was itself haunted. Oh, yes. The 12th ghost. <laughs> the card Ex- reader. Exactly. It's trying to act as though it were one of the old timey registers. <laughs> yes. That does not have the capability of reading this is probably pre-chip oh no it's 2018 so it's the ghost of a pre-chip card reader exactly (laughs) (laughs) that was an excellent absolutely chilling series of stories i thought they were all scary a new mexico hotel from uh, arizona Arizona. sorry i was was thinking arizona then i corrected myself to the wrong thing that's fine it's what i do literally every moment of my life (laughs) perfect (laughs) uh yeah ghosts are they real (laughs) maybe who knows but if you're looking for some you got 11 of them in one spot
All right. Before we move on to my segment this week, I have a very special update on the Phantom of the Chicago. Ooh. The Phantom of the Chicago is the name applied to the giant humanoid bat-like creatures flying all around the greater Chicago area ever since, I guess, time immemorial, but um, especially picking up in 2017 and onward, and uh, heard in most episodes of this show since episode two. It's, um, yeah, bat creature, glowing red eyes, creepy as hell, if it's real, probably birds, Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters has been the the main watchdog for it, and uh, yeah. This week is a little different from how we usually do these, because this update comes to us once again from our Chicago field correspondent, Sean Wayne, Fire Killer Kulisuskis. This is from June 23rd. Oh, snap. His report is entitled, The Phantom of the Chicago Part 2, The Shyshank Redemption, my dudes. So he begins, What the fuck is up, my dudes? It's your boy, the Fire Killer, a.k.a. Top Dog Too Cute, a.k.a. Universal Soldier, a.k.a. F to the motherfucking K, A.K.A. these next level biceps have never quit for even a fucking second since creation. Damn. Sorry it's been a minute since I've reported in. Chicago Public Library computers always got idiots using them. Luckily I found one with a little kid doing math homework or something on it and told him to beat it. Well boys, have I got a story for you. It all began about a month ago when one of my boys told me that Roger Ebert got iced. I was like, yo, now that this dude is dead, who the fuck is doing movie reviews? That's when it hit me, boys. The movie review racket was wide open, and who better to take the throne than your boy, good-looking but will whoop your ass? So lately, I've been renting movies from the library and writing reviews. It's been tough so far, but it's only a matter of time before I'm top dog of this shit, you feel? Anyways, one of these movies I rented was that flick, Shame. Thought to myself, this thing is all about sex. There should definitely be some jokes in it, you feel? I'm sure you boys know where I'm headed with this. Fastbender's dick. Holy fucking shit, my dudes. I didn't know what hit me. I was chilling, drinking, and watching a flick when suddenly, not two minutes in, Fastbender is naked. I was like, damn, look at that bush. Yo, what's that thing wanging around between? Holy fuck, is that his cock? Started pouring sweat. I must have rewound it 50 times. Boys, I'm sorry to say, Fastbender is a fucking stallion. As you guys know, I have a huge fucking cock that is extremely pleasurable to the ladies. But man, one look at Fastbender's cannon had me out cold. I nearly killed a fifth of stolen birthday cake vodka I was sipping on. And went out and bought a handle of spice drum and a bottle of aspirin to finish the job. Oh, man. It was a dark time, boys, but I survived. When I woke up the next day covered in vomit, I realized one thing. I had to go back. Back to where it all started. Back where I first encountered the Phantom of the Chicago. So, there's a lot more going on from there. It's a little bit too much for today. I will say that it does sound as though our friend Firekiller may have finally defeated... The Phantom of the Chicago. Yes, indeed. So if this is actually true, we may not be hearing any new updates on the Phantom anymore. Assuming that A, it new is actually true real. true updates, that is, yeah, of course. Yeah. Assuming that the They'll Phantom ever fake. was real and that B, uh, there was only one of them. But uh, we cannot thank Firekiller enough for his service. And um, because we aren't able to share the full story with you today, we have created a new section on our website specifically for field reports. So go to superduperstitious.com slash field reports to see these in full. We, and we can't recommend this enough. Go to superduperstitious.com slash field reports to see all of Firekiller's reports in their entirety. It could not be more worth your time. As submitted by Firekiller <laughs> verbatim. Yes. And uh, with that, shall we move on to some more spooks? Let's do it. I have a general topic for today, which I'll be digging into historically, psychologically. It's going to be a fun time. Mm. 
but I'll also be illustrating this topic with some first-person examples. Ooh. So I'll start with a short one to set the mood. Okay. It's a response to a question from about a year ago on R Paranormal, and it's written by uh, Fuzzy Lanius. Quote, last year, for a solid two to three months straight, I woke up between 2.30 to 3.45 every morning. Each experience was pretty much the same. I'd wake up with a feeling that I needed to get out of bed and would do so. I trudge around my apartment without really thinking, either getting water or whatever on autopilot. Then I'd blank out for a bit and snap to reality, standing at the sliding glass door to my balcony, staring into the dark field beyond my apartment, beyond my apartment complex that kind of merges with a huge riverbed where the water runs underground to the west and stretches straight south about half a mile. Hmm. Every time I kind of shake myself awake, I get the sudden feeling that I was being watched. Something, uh, sometimes the feeling came from the field. But every so often, I'd sense the presence of something behind me in the darkened dining room. Mm. My roommate has a cat, and this cat never leaves his side when he's home. The kitty sleeps in his bed with him overnight and is um, never anywhere else when it's dark, unless it's a quick run to the litter box. But it never failed that each time I found myself staring into the field, Rumi's cat would be sitting next to me, staring blankly up at me, or staring unblinkingly up at me. The cat would never make a sound, which is also odd because this little, uh, because the little darling never ever stops making sound. Hmm. Like all the different, like just uh, different ways of referring to the cat. Yeah. Um, and the cat would sit there, planted in place, staring until I went back to bed. Hmm. Any other time I wake up at night, the cat is happily snuggled with my roommate and doesn't so much as come to greet me. It was hella weird and unsettling, and I also suffered a lot of intrusive thoughts and negative feelings during those months. Then suddenly, it just stopped happening. My mood improved, the cat stopped staring at me, and things went back to normal. Hmm. Now I can stare at the field without those feelings of being watched. Mm-hmm. To this day, I don't know what it was, but something was luring me out of bed every night, and the cat did not like it. So that's my first wee story. Mm. Next is one I found a few months ago. It's from our Ghost Stories, which is another subreddit devoted ostensibly to true supernatural accounts. Uh, this one is by user Green Thumb Witch, posted four months ago. So she says, Just to preface, about three years ago is when I had this paranormal experience. It happened in July 2016. I'm a night owl and I've always had a hard time going to bed at a reasonable hour since childhood, especially during this uh, especially during this period of my life. I was nearing the end of a very bad time in my life where I was hospitalized a year prior due to mental health issues. Ouch. So in the interest of giving Green Thumb, which as much benefit of the doubt as possible, I looked into more of her posts to see if she talked about this at all in detail ever. And, you know, thinking obviously if she were having mental health issues that involved outright hallucinations, right. it would strongly affect our take on any paranormal story here. True. Seems that in addition to depression and OCD, hello, <laughs> I feel that, uh, she suffered from a depersonalization slash derealization disorder, Oof. which also sounds super tough. Luckily, it sounds like she's also completely overcome that since, which is nice. great for her. That's awesome. Um, but that is a particular disorder that does not involve hallucinations. It does involve weird optical things but it's really mm-hmm. more just distortions of the light mm-hmm. and not just total breaks from reality or anything so mm-hmm. if you were to see anything that would not be that and it doesn't seem to involve any kind of auditory phenomena at all i see so she's just someone trying to make it like the rest of us and that should not in any way, in any way discount any credibility of her story gotcha thank you for that That's yeah good due diligence uh she says because i had no job at the time i often stayed up as late as i liked and worked on projects sometimes until dawn I liked the comfort the night brought me and quietness of it all. I really enjoyed being the only one awake and never once considered that it could be scary. I was used to it. At this time, I wasn't sure about the paranormal, even though I had some experiences in the past, and it was something I never thought about much. I wouldn't say I didn't believe in it entirely, but was very skeptical. I still lived with my parents. My mom often got up during the night to check on me. 
Even though it always annoyed me a bit, I understood she was just worried about me because of my mental health issues or mental mental illness issues. She would tell me that it's late and I needed to sleep. She slowly stopped doing it after a while because she realized that there was no point and I went to bed when I wanted to. I was also doing a lot better at this point mentally. It was much more uh, stable and I was starting a new job next week. So back to that night. It was around 3.30 a.m. and I was awake in my room drawing and watching Netflix. I had my door shut and was just about to turn the lights off to go to sleep. I figured I should at least try to lay down and sleep even though I wasn't tired. Mm -hmm. As I was putting my colored pencils away and turning off Netflix, I heard something knock on my door really loudly three times. And it sounded like something was scratching the door along with it. Expecting it to be my mom asking me why I was still up, I replied, yeah? No one answered. Then I heard three loud knocks and scratching noises again. The scratching sounded like someone's nails running from the top of the door. I said, yeah, what is it? What do you want? No one answered again. Oh, boy. So I started thinking that whoever was knocking on my door was trying to scare me. It didn't make any sense. Why would my family be trying to scare me? They'd all been passed out for hours, and they Mm -hmm. weren't the type to do something like this at 3 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Plus, if they're being sensitive to the tough year she just had, it doesn't make sense that they'd be trying to just randomly scare her in the middle of the night either. Even if none of those things were factors, it's such an elaborate, like, you know, waiting for exactly that moment to strike. Exactly. Come on. Then it happened again. This time I was like, hello, hello, silence again. I even for a split second thought that maybe it was my dog trying to get in my room, but I just as quickly debunked that idea. My dog couldn't get upstairs where the bedrooms are because we had a locked heavy-duty gate that blocked the, uh, the top of the stairs. He's a little dog, too, and can't get over it. <laughs> and she said the scratching was coming from the top of the door. So right, it doesn't make likely. sense, yeah. The knocking and scratching was so deliberate and with such force, there was no way it was my dog. It rattled my door as it happened. Oh, my God. It was always done in the same pattern as the knock before, just like a person would do. Then it happened one last time. I didn't say anything this time. I suddenly realized how bizarre this was and had an intense feeling of fear wash over me. Yeah. I was too scared to open my door to check and see if anything was there, and I felt like if I did, something would harm me. My instinct told me that I would be inviting whatever this thing was into my room if I did. I sat in my bed for about 15 minutes staring at my door in pure shock. I finally had the courage to get up and turn off the lights, but I kept my lamp on that still lit up my whole room. There was no way I was sleeping in the dark. I texted my boyfriend 30 minutes after the incident, telling him what just happened. He works early in the morning, so he responded right away, telling me not to investigate any further and try to sleep. I barely slept any after what happened, so I was one of the first people up in the morning. I told everyone what happened, and no one took me seriously. They said I must have imagined it because I was really tired or something, but I didn't. I was wide awake and lucid. I asked everyone if they knocked on my door and none of them did. I thought for sure someone at least heard it too because the seemingly demonic scratching slash knocking was loud as hell. (laughs) Pun intended. They said no. Uh, I knew they were not lying and my dog was still downstairs where we left him the night before. This freaked me out. A lot. I couldn't stop thinking about it because I couldn't explain it. I tried thinking of a rational explanation but came up with nothing. And this is when I started to become very interested in the paranormal. Mm. I did lots of research and was looking for answers. Now, this kind of phenomenon has happened to many, especially at the witching hour, 3 a.m. I know many say three knocks or the hour means mocking of the Trinity, which means it is a demon, but I'm not sure. Even though the creepy as fuck nail scratching is pretty convincing. But there is much more symbolism to the number three than just that. So I was wondering if any others had a similar experience and if they were willing to share such give theories. Mm. And that's where she ends it. So there it is. I'm talking about the witching hour. Ooh, nice. I like that. 
was also known as the Devil's Hour, and it has, in some form or other, featured in folklore for quite a long damn time. That's cool. Uh, the first recorded use of the actual term witching hour was probably between 1825 and 1835, hmm. though the actual beliefs around that general time of night are older. The most common attributes of the witching hour are thus. It's a good time to perform black magic. Uh, dark entities tend to be more powerful during this time. The latter two things are due to a lack of prayers in the canonical hours and or because the veil between worlds is thinnest at this time of night. Mm. So there are various prayers in the Judeo-Christian tradition that are said throughout the day, starting with a morning prayer. And there's the kind of, not continuous, but a series of them throughout the Keeping day. Keeping the ears saturated with that holiest of spirits. Exactly. And it ends with a night prayer, um, but there's no middle of the night prayer. So it's time for that uh, kind of concentration of holiness to kind of go down low enough that uh, Satan <laughs> exactly that's Satan um, as for the veil <laughs> thing I don't I don't know uh, for a while the witching hour is considered to be midnight but it's now more typically represented as 3 a.m. Hmm. and it's seldom just one hour and it seems to imply that evil observes daylight savings <laughs> uh, right, right. 3 a.m. really rose to prominence based on the <laughs> idea that it's the inverse of 3 p.m., which is supposedly when Jesus was crucified. Huh. And that demons using three for anything, as in the three knocks in the second story I opened with, uh, signify a mockery of the Trinity. So it's like, oh, it's, you know, if if when Jesus was crucified is like the holiest possible hour, then the opposite of that must be really bad. And, um, and demons right. doing stuff in any kind of threes is like mocking the Trinity. Uh, that said, I didn't really find any primary sources backing up these beliefs, even just as beliefs. Mm-hmm. And indeed, I found at least one source indicating that those ideas may have been cooked up by the Warrens and or the screenwriters of The Conjuring. The Warrens again. You know how we feel about the Warrens on this show, guys. Oh, boy. Again, the idea of the number of the hour itself being so important to dark forces is particularly goofy, given the kind of arbitrary nature of telling time. Oh, yes. Uh, it's a purely human construct. So if these are non-human entities, then why would they care what particular number hour we think it is? Exactly. So, yeah. Dividing the day up into hours can be traced back to Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt. Uh, this later was adopted by Rome as well. Hmm. It, can, it generally consisted of dividing the daytime so between sunrise and sunset into 12 equal duration chunks which were the first version of hours mm-hmm. because the hours were only measured during the day and because seasons are a thing this meant that hours varied in length with the changing seasons mm. uh, but it all still had a similar kind of idea to modern time measurement right and they you know nighttime was kind of nighttime it wasn't really divided up into chunks the same way at first later on was more so it wasn't for a long time that um the day was considered to start at midnight either even oh, until as late as 1925, astronomers considered noon the start of the day because, wow. at least in terms of just observable phenomena, the time when the sun is highest in the sky is much easier to measure than some kind of arbitrary time in the middle of the night. Absolutely true. So I'm condensing a lot of really cool history for time's sake, pun very unintended, but the 24-hour system breaks the day down into 24 equal pieces so that at least on the equinoxes, sunrise is at 6 a.m. or 0600. The sun's highest point is at noon, so 1200, and sunset is at 6 o'clock p.m., 1800. So you have basically just quarters of the day. So you have the first quarter is um, all of it leading up until the sun rises, and then from the sunrise to the highest point of the sun, then from there to sunset, and then from there to the starting upper point again. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how we get all of that. Mm-hmm. Therefore, midnight is halfway between sunrise and sunset, giving it its name mm. and making it a good candidate for the witching hour. Mm-hmm. Similarly, 3 a.m. is halfway between midnight and sunrise. 
So there's a bit of a simpler explanation behind all this other than the idea of the supernatural kind of being more um, powerful at that time and stuff like that. Right, right. The middle of the night just refers to the time of day most removed from typical waking hours. Right. So this means that it's bound to have a strong psychological effect on anyone who is still awake. Oh, yes. And sure enough, if you've ever worked the night shift or just pulled an all-nighter, <laughs> you probably notice that this general stretch of time is just kind of, it feels weirder. It always does. Uh, numerous security guards and other folks who routinely work the night shift can corroborate that the hours between midnight and dawn are just odd. It's a uniquely liminal kind of time to be in for a species that evolved to be diurnal. Right. A 2014 study in the International Journal of Dream Research even found some indication their results weren't super conclusive, but that melatonin levels may be highest at this particular time of mm. night based on normal circadian hormone production. Mm -hmm. And this could potentially account for weird dream state induced feelings and visions during the witching hour. Very cool. Uh, I can even speak to my own experience with this whole phenomenon. So... After I completed grad school a few years ago, hmm. I uh, struggled to find a job in my field, ended up working for a few months stocking shelves at a grocery store, mm -hmm. which was just what I wanted to do with a master's in zoology. Mm -hmm. And I, um, so I'd work from 11 p.m. to, uh, so 2300 until 7 a.m. or oh, 700 <laughs> every, uh, every night. And it was, it was a lot, uh, <laughs> just a lot of slinging heavy bags of shit and and cans and just Sounds yeah. like a horrible grocery store. Well, cause th there was a whole. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of. I was often tasked with the um, pet food aisle, so uh, just big yes. dog food bags. Yes, uh, heavy stuff. And um, yeah, a quick note as well for any listeners who don't know what circadian rhythm is. Sure, it is simply one's internal body biological clock. Most animals, even some plants, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of plants have this. It is a sort of baked into the mix uh, automatic timing that has to do with the hours of the day so it has great fidelity let's say so you will follow a circadian rhythm even if you do not have the typical sort of light dark cues yeah a lot of so some stuff is actually triggered by yes, sunlight indeed, stuff, but indeed, a lot true. of it is also inherently genetic or are just like hormones doing it's, it's things that right. are working on their own just automatically because that's what they evolved to do and won't change even if you change your sleep schedule even if you change a lot of other things like you said even if you're not experiencing the, the normal light dark cycle still your body will in some ways follow the same pattern right stronger than some other species i was just thinking of horseshoe crabs for some reason but anyway just want to say that really quick yeah <laughs> horseshoe crabs and <laughs> um yeah so Pretty neat. I, I'd work all night. I ended up listening to a lot of podcasts at the time, too. But yeah, between, um, usually, between, I take like my last break usually around 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I usually found I was surprisingly hungry in the middle of the night, too. If you, if you stay awake and are continuously burning calories instead of sleeping, it's uh, it's something. And this was a time where I was still working in the lab, too, during doing some oh, bee stuff. God, so I'd work right. eight hours during the day and then uh, take a nap and then work eight hours overnight. And then I'd get home and have about an hour between getting home and getting to the field to do more research stuff. I remember that because the bags under your eyes were down to your like belly button. Yes. They were much like the bags I was slinging at the grocery store. <laughs> yes. Similarly full of dog food. Exactly. <laughs> One actual fun thing about this too is so as far as, yeah, I found it just, it was just a weird feeling time of night where I, just, I felt kind of insane. Uh, just like what's going on? Like, in addition to the what am I doing with my life kind of parts of it. Also feeling like, oh, what is, like, just, this just what is, is this? weird. It's just yeah. weird. Feeling loopy, feeling strange. It was also during this time, because I was listening to so many podcasts to pass each eight-hour shift and not go totally bonkers. 
uh, I kept looking for more and more paranormal podcasts mm. and trying to find just the right one to be the fit kind of what I was looking for in that sort of podcast. Oh, goodness. I didn't find it, Wyatt. And so I thought, we should make that podcast. <gasps> and that's where Super Duper Stitches first kind of well, got cooked up. You might say that Super Duper Stitches is our way of taunting Jesus. <laughs> And this is why you and I are co-hosts <laughs> and friends. Born in the witching hour. Yes. So we do indeed have the witching hour to thank for this show in many ways. <laughs> um, I will close with one final story about the witching hour. Uh, this is from Static42069. <laughs> and I, I think <laughs> oh my it, God. A great username. Yep. I believe this was a name wow. ask, an Ask Reddit post. He says... One night, I was staying up late on my school computer past my bedtime. I was already pretty paranoid because my dad checks my room sometimes to make sure I'm sleeping. It hit the three o'clock hour and everything was going well considering my dad went to bed and didn't check up on me that night. I kept watching my YouTube and browsing Reddit while I was about to fall asleep. I put my computer under my bed and tried to go to sleep, but I just wasn't tired. Then, I heard the attic door pop open along with something else downstairs. I froze and sat there waiting to hear something else. What I heard was walking coming from the stairs outside of my bedroom. I lay there in silence, still not moving, until I heard my door open. It was my dad. I thought he had gone to sleep, but apparently that was just my mom. What ended up happening mm. was he closed the garage door, which for some reason pressurized the attic and caused the door to come open. The end. Wow. So, A surprisingly salient post by Static, static 42069. <laughs> So that is my little uh, little uh, journey into the witching hour. I loved it. That was very interesting. I enjoyed that very much. Oh, I, yeah. I struggle to think of times I've stayed up late enough because I usually go to bed at like <laughs> 4 p.m. Yes. Um, oh, God, we're way past your bedtime now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I do recall this really doesn't have much to do with the witching hour, I suppose. But my buddy and I, when we were kids, we stayed up all night. And uh, just to do it, we'd never done that before. And so we just like forced ourselves to stay awake and it was the weirdest thing. It's so, yeah, the first time I ever did that was like, I maybe did it three times total in all of college. And it is the weirdest thing when you just try and force yourself to stay up. It's like, oh, what's that? You get all tweaky. And you get really weird. And like you have these weird bursts of energy as your body's like, oh, I guess you're trying to survive right now. So yeah. <laughs> here's like a shitload of weird energy that you can just use. <laughs> and you you come, or at least we came out of it feeling like, that's all there is to it. I mean, I feel strange, but like, I'm awake, bitch. I don't care. And then we had a soccer game that day. Oh, no. And on the field, I totally gassed out. And I was just like, oh, oh no. I'm paying for it now. Yes. Um, which if I tried to do that now, I'd probably just be curled up in a ball. <laughs> that was with all the strength of youth. Back when we were first starting the show and I was really, really adamant about getting every episode out on Thursdays without any fail. Oh, yeah. And when I was still working full time, which I do miss aspects of that, like the income. But uh, I, I stayed up pretty late on several occasions to try and get the editing done. And uh, it was awful. <laughs> like We're, oh, we're too old for this. Oh, yes. Your sleep is so that, rather. important. Yes. And so, so mysterious. There's another super duper PSA. Yeah. Try, try and get some sleep, guys. Get it's those good Z's. Drink water and get enough sleep. Exactly. And if you do find yourself awake at three in the morning, go ahead and uh, subvert that biblical rule book. <laughs> 
by doing something three times. Or at least come up with a podcast. Yeah. That'll be the way to do it. <laughs> well, anyway, I think that I think that's all we have to say this week. I'll do better next week. And more, <laughs> we'll um, be about the same. Yes. We uh thank you for jo- <laughs> thank you for joining us this week. We look forward thank to you. talking to you again next week. Yes, indeed. And uh bye. Bye. bye.